Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Come Up Interviews podcast. This is episode 46. And um, it's also Video Store Memories Part 7. And uh, Ty couldn't be here today because he's off uh, blowing up straw huts in the jungle or something like that. But today, as one of our esteemed guests might put it, we are rolling out the podcast version of a red carpet for two titans of the podcasting industry. We have both Steve and Brad from Stuck in the 80s. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, doing doing real good. Thanks thanks again for having us on the show, Brett. Oh, Titans um, might be a bit a of a treat. stretch, but oh. I'm, I'm willing to accept any accolades you, you'd like to heap upon. <laughs> well, I, you know, I uh, before we even get into that, I do want to just talk a, really quickly about my history personally with Stuck in the 80s. Um, so I believe it was sometime around 2007, you know, I became aware of what podcasts were and um so, you know, so obviously i was thinking what are these podcasts that all these kids are talking about so i uh, i went to itunes and i was sitting there for a moment in front of that blank search field and i asked myself what do i want to hear people talk about like what am i interested in so the very first thing i typed into that search field was this eight zero s and it was the magic numbers and the letter. And then I put it on my iPod at the time. And I've been listening ever since. And um, that means Stuck in the 80s is the first podcast I started listening to and the one I've been listening to the longest. And, um, you know, other podcasts have come and gone, but I've stuck with Stuck in the 80s for all this time up until today. Well, we apologize. <laughs> yeah, Brett, you can seek professional help for these kinds of things. Uh, it's funny you would describe the way you found Stuck in the 80s, because that's exactly how I did it, too. Uh, I was a listener oh, cool. before I came on the show, and I'd got a, gotten an iPod as a gift, and I was riding the train to work at the time, so I had some time to kill every day. I did the exact same thing. I went into iTunes and searched 80S and, you know, that put my feet upon the crooked path and led me to your door this morning, <laughs> Brett. Um, well, we have that in common. I believe we are kindred spirits. Um, and uh, so I've been with you guys through all the changes throughout all the years. And um, uh, I could say, I've prob Steve, I probably heard your voice more than most of my friends and family in terms of total hours. Oh, wow. I, that's <laughs> that's mind boggling to me. I <laughs> I, we just had a birthday. Stuck in 80s turned 16, I think, was it two days ago? Happy uh, birthday. You, thank you. We can now get a driver's license. <laughs> and I, I still, every time that comes about and we turn another year older, I just, I'm shocked. I, we never thought this thing would go more than 30 or 40 episodes back in 2005. It was just meant to be a experiment of sorts to, to learn the technology. And right. Uh, to understand it and then figure out uh, worthy uses for it. We just <laughs> stuck in ease was not meant to be a worthy use of, of the technology. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we started getting emails from everywhere around the world and it just kind of, I think if we dared try to stop now, the forward momentum would carry us for at least another two or three years. <laughs> right. Right. It's, it's almost like a physics type of equation. Yeah. We've got enough ideas in the bad show idea parking lot that we could <laughs> come in for a um, soft landing. And well, at, at the risk of making Spearsy cry, I just want you to know that it's more than just a podcast and it really means something to people. So I want to say that. But as a uh, but on, on the lighter side, you know, because we're talking about how I've heard you for so many total hours. I do also say that about 80s music. 
because like I say, I've listened to so much Depeche Mode, Smith, the Kieran Pet Shop Boys. I always say that I've heard the voices of Dave Gahan, Morrissey, Robert Smith, and Neil Tennant more than my own father. Um, but I do say that as a joke, by the way. <laughs> well, that's, that's, it's nice to finally to discover another Pet Shop Boys fan. I thought I was out there all by myself. No, what I want to say about the Pet Shop Boys when I tell people, there's more to them than people think. Like oh, there are yeah. songs like they're 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 well constructed stories. Every song is about something. They, they almost have a plot, and they're meticulously made musically and lyrically. And I don't think people really appreciate that. What drives me nuts is when someone I, I'll mention Pet Shop Boys and like, oh, I don't like them. I hate West End Girls. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, geez, please, please tell me that's not the only song you've ever heard by them. So. I mean, they've done so much. They've, I mean, they've done West End plays, and well, I think that's what in the UK that's where they have their Broadways, like the West End. Right. Or is, is mm-hmm. that, yeah, they've done plays there, and they've and they've played in all these different countries and done all these different experimental things, and kept pushing and pushing. And they're not just that, obviously. Um, and another thing that annoys me about them is when how people misunderstand the song. Um, well, let's make lots of money, like that's people take that on face value like that's a story of a con man who's trying to you know he's laying out his rap his spiel to like a young neophyte person he's saying oh we're gonna make lots of money and this and it's not like i'm gonna make lots of money it's this story of basically like a con artist sure it's a story of grift and and, yes yes the, the trouble the trouble with pet shop boys is it's it's to boil it down to its essence it's it's disco music for smart people so yes whoa you're not a smart person i need to go lay down for a minute after that oh my gosh that's amazing i've also heard it described oh sorry i've also heard it described as disco for people that don't dance dance that's another reason steve would like it (laughs) i'm also a non-dancer so uh, i'm with you on that god bless you but to get to the subject at hand okay we're talking about video store memories and steve you worked in a video store and um so it's just to lay the whole groundwork. Steve, tell everyone where you grew up and what your first contact was with a video store, even before you worked in a video store. Oh, okay, that's I, I, it's funny. <laughs> you can remember. No, I can remember. The, the, the funny thing is, is, is that as you get older and you do this podcast for, you know, 16 years, you, you sort of download some of your memories into the show and then you, you feel like you don't have to keep them in your brain anymore. <laughs> right. You mentioned but, that in a recent episode. Yeah. But the funny thing is about video stores is that's one of the things that is is stuck in there. It's like it's it's hard coded into my brain, like every every moment of it. And I, I grew up in Clearwater, Florida, which is a suburb of Tampa, in the, the the region known as Tampa Bay. And uh, it's just a middle class, upper middle class area of Florida. A lot of transplants from the Midwest. And I remember the family went to this really small video store. It was right next to a Kmart, the Kmart that we went to all the time mm-hmm. for our chipped ham sandwiches. <laughs> and it Sounds delicious. It literally was probably, I don't know, they maybe had 100 movies in there, maybe. Mm-hmm. And we went in there one night and we bought our first VHS player slash recorder. And it must have weighed... <laughs> 50 pounds, 75 pounds. <laughs> was it a top loader? Yes, it was a top loader. And we rented two movies that first night. And I, I Sometimes I get this story wrong, but I'm 99% sure it was Jazz Singer and 
Caddyshack. <laughs> did you watch them back to back on the same night? I, I believe we did. I, I, That's a double those, bill for the ages. <laughs> Please tell me you watched Caddyshack second. <laughs> I think my that would be really... how you do it at the drive-in. You <laughs> jazz singer. So, I remember at the time it was such an amazing. It, it was sort of like um, you know being on a plane for the first time. It, it, we can actually watch a movie on demand at home. And like, I, I think I probably watch, I'm not a late night person, but I guarantee you that first night I probably stayed up till two or three in the morning, rewatching these movies over and over again. Oh yeah. Cause you could, cause you could. And, right. and I, I don't know what the rental fee was at the time, but I'm sure it wasn't cheap. And the other infamous thing that happened then at that video store that, that is a cause for great debate in my family but I'm the only one who has the crystal clear brain and can remember everything. So it's important that you always side with me on this <laughs> is that back in those days, you could buy a movie on, on VHS, but it cost you a small fortune. Oh yes. A lot of them retailed for 99.99. Yes. So circuit, this is probably 1981 or two at this time. Cause oh, so that's right at the beginning of kind of the video store proliferation. Yeah. yeah. So we rented those two movies and then my mom goes, do you have can't stop the music by the village people? <laughs> the, the, to their credit, the video store did not, <laughs> but said we could order it for you. You could buy it for how much. And I, I want to say, I still want to say it was $80. $80. Yeah. No, I, I believe you are in the ballpark. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Price and, for the rental and, market. Yeah. Right. And they did. You know, my, my parents bought Can't Stop the Music on VHS. And so that movie went into the rotation of whatever else we were renting, plus Can't Stop the Music would always be on TV. And to this day, I know that movie forwards and backwards. And to this day, my mom swears this never happened. Like, we, we, we never spent $80 on a movie. And I'm like, if we bought it, we must have bought it for ten dollars. I'm like, I assure you that it, in 1981 or 82, nobody was buying the movie for ten dollars. Oh, oh, that didn't exist. And on top of that, eighty dollars in 1981 is probably like seven hundred dollars today. Yes, it was, it's crazy. I mean, it's just that's one of those uh, things you do because you're married. You know, oh, I'm not <laughs> you can't stop the music. I'm not so. quite sure I see the causation there, but okay. <laughs> well, just because you. Something you do for your wife because she really wants it. Uh, even okay. even though common sense tells you this is not a uh, uh, this is not a sensible investment in the right, future or the past sense. or right. today a, or ever. This is something your son's going to mock you for for the next <laughs> six decades. Are you still okay with this purchase? <laughs> and so thus the strategy of deny, deny, deny. <laughs> Never so is it safe to assume that you didn't buy the recent Blu-ray of Can't Stop the Music? I did not. I did buy her a DVD version of it when it came out on DVD and, you know, paraded it in front of the whole family. Hey, you know, I just bought this DVD of Can't Stop the Music for probably, probably nine ninety nine at that point. <laughs> and, uh, she, and then tried to tell the story, which began the long history of denials. And so she still has it somewhere, but I don't think she ever plays it. I, to, to be honest, I don't think she's got a DVD player anymore. She's she's almost in the 21st century. Oh, well, it sounds like long. she got a lot of use out of the VHS. Well, when she was done with it, by the way, the machine, I took it to college. So I had to cart that that huge monster, you know, up to the University of Florida where I used I I think I used it as my VHS player. Used it as a coffee table? I mean, the thing <laughs> I, humongous. I used it into the 90s. 
And then I remember taking it into a store to get it repaired because it had broken. And the guy said, well, you know, these things run on rubber bands. Uh, Brad's favorite turn. And I, I, he opened it up and showed me like these little rubber belts. Yeah. belts. And he's like, I'll replace this one because I happen to have one of these belts. But just so you know, they don't make these anymore. So you're going to have to buy a new VHS player. <laughs> That's amazing that he had the, uh, them, the belts in stock. I, I probably went to the most old school repair store in all of Tampa Bay. I mean, if that place still exists, I would yeah. not be shocked. It was like, That's it a was, business that doesn't exist anymore. No. I mean, you just don't see electronic repair shops anymore. I know. Well, and actually, my family uh, ran one. So oh, yeah? I know the trials and tribulations of a electronics repair shop. We just got to I'm the point where... You don't know then, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it just, you know, because... Just that's just the nature of things, you know. They become cheaper and cheaper over time, so it just became cheaper to buy a new VCR camcorder than to have it repaired. Yeah, you know? sure. I guess the only real parallel would be I like phone repair shops now. Oh yeah, right, like cell phone stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So going back, so after that, so you when did your employment at a video store work? And what if you remember what was the name of that first one, and what was the name of the video store where you ended up working? I don't remember the name of the that tiny little store. It was probably it probably had a very generic name like um, videotape rental or something. I mean, it was, <laughs> super it didn't rental. Have any, yeah, videotape rentals. Yeah, or A A A A video rental A. That that area of Tampa Bay was not known for its cleverness, and and today that tradition remains. The when I left. University of Florida, my freshman year, all my friends back home were working at a video store chain called Pick a Flick. And Pick a Flick had maybe four locations in the county that I grew up in. And these were bigger stores. These were like almost the size of a, of a blockbuster. And so because of my connections, I was able to, to get a job there like everybody vouched for me and i mean to this day it probably it probably remains my favorite job i mean it's the easiest job in the world and and when you're not busy you just sit there and watch movies but i got the job i'm pretty sure i made minimum wage which at that time was 335 an hour and i got set up working by myself in a little tiny one of the the tiniest branches so you're like on Tatooine of the yes. video rental business? Exactly. There's a far side of the universe. You're, you're standing on it. So, wait, so just so I, so I understand, you were alone? You were the only employee? At this particular – once I was trained at the main branch, they shipped me out to this little outpost in Dunedin, Florida, which is this little hamlet uh, right on the coast of, of the Gulf of Mexico. And – yeah, so there was never a need for more than one person there at a time. So I would work half a day, and then somebody else would come in and work the other half of the day. And that continued for the whole summer. As long as I didn't – I was not allowed to surpass 40 hours because then, you, of course, you would qualify for time. Yeah, benefits and all that kind of stuff. So so I was there by myself on, like, I don't know, five or six days a week for four or five hours. And if you wanted to have lunch, you had to lock the door <laughs> – and walk over to McDonald's or something, which was right in the same plaza, or or walk over to the pizza place, grab your lunch and bring it back and open the door. Which it didn't matter because we maybe had thirty customers a day. So you and you so paid 
you paid. I don't remember if you paid in advance or you paid when you brought it back. I would but, imagine they paid to rent the movie, but I mean that just usually yeah. how it worked. But no, no, the size of it is it comparable to like a photo mat? No, it was probably the size of like a garage, like a, a two car okay. garage. And okay. We we didn't ha- we would have one of everything. Like most movies, we'd have one copy. The only thing that we had two copies of was Back to the Future. And there's a story behind that. There right? is a story behind. That. Yeah. So when 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 I was there, I would I would never see both copies at the same time. I never understood. So somebody always had the other one rented out. I thought or. You know, it was a popular, obviously a popular movie that that year because this was the summer of '86. Uh, finally, somebody clued me in that we had given a copy to the pizza place next door in exchange for free pizza whenever we wanted it. And so that's course, all it took was just the Back to the Future rental, or was it like an unlimited rentals for unlimited pizza kind of deal? But, my 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 information was that it was just Back to the Future for free pizza. Now that's a good they, deal. They I'd make been. that deal that today. Is. <laughs> just one movie, yeah. Of course, I didn't know that till I already spent probably a couple hundred dollars on lunch at the pizza place. But <laughs> they're like, we got another one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, it was it was a people would always come in. They would always ask for Back to the Future. We'd never have it because the one copy we still had left would always be rented out. So I would always try to. Uh, bait and switch people to, to rent better off dead instead. Yes. I know you've told that on stuck in the eighties and how did that go? Did people come back and say that was an awesome suggestion or were they like, this isn't what I wanted at all. Anytime people came back and saw me, cause remember there's, a, there's somebody else who's working there. So may, maybe the disgruntled customers came and saw the other clerk, but when <laughs> I was there, they, they seemed pretty happy with it, which if you think back, those movies are really nothing alike. I, no, I don't know. No. I don't know how I got away with that, but I, I remember later on that the guy who owned the chain, whose name I can't I can't remember his full name. His first name is Rick, and everyone just called him Rick. He um I needed letters of recommendation to get into journalism school, and, and he wrote he wrote one out longhand on stationery from the oh my gosh that's amazing from the uh, from the the chain, and I I took what he wrote and retyped it and submitted it and i fixed all his typos and everything and <laughs> i still feel in that recommendation letter did he say how much initiative you showed in re- suggesting better off dead to people he didn't know about that he would have been furious had he known that i don't oh. know who been furious he would have uh, been you know he's still you still got the business i mean yeah. he's in business to make money and you somebody left with a tape they paid for he's probably happy <laughs> right yeah that's good salesmanship he, yeah, I just I remember he made up a bunch of stuff on my letter that I didn't. Steve's, you know, one of my go to guys when it comes to purchasing, you know, recommendations and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, God, I don't do any of that stuff. But you so know, I appreciate 40 children from a burning school bus. Right. And it crashed so, into our building. I, and I went on and I worked there after that summer. Whenever I had like a long break, like a spring break or a winter break, I was always welcome to come back and work there. And so I did that to make some. Oh, that's cool. But that uh, was the end of it. That was the end of my. Uh, but am I wrong in remembering they had a couch and you would like hang out on the couch? Is that <laughs> something? So there was a couch, a love seat, and it was right in front of the television set. So on a weekday, so especially during the daytime, no, we'd get maybe two customers the whole, you know, before four o'clock. And so I would sit on a couch and watch. TV and just in case I fell asleep, we remember those 
they still have them today, I guess. Those gigantic cardboard uh, movie promo things. Yeah, like a standy. 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 So we had standees, and I I used those to block the view of the couch (laughs) from the street. So if I fell asleep, the, the, the sound of the door opening had like a little chimer. And so I would wake up, you know, and compose myself behind the standee before the the customer got to me. No, that's not a soul of drool on the couch. No, why do you ask? And that's downright Home Alone-esque of you. I mean, um, you know, I guess they assume like uh, Clint Eastwood is just watching you sleep. There's nothing weird about that. Well, the weird thing, too, is like, I mean, because I I would watch movies that were really inappropriate to have showing (laughs) Uh, during a general you didn't uh, go business. behind the beaded curtain for that yeah we had a beaded <laughs> curtain and everything so oh you did have a beaded curtain yeah we did we had a we had a adult section now i never played those movies during the day but i mean no, I, no, I, 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 never, I never rated our movie in there you know there's no there's no there's no harm in watching a afternoon uh, matinee performance of layman on rio <laughs> i've always said that by the way um, nobody or with revenge of the nerds one. you know that gets pretty risque yeah exactly um now, um, what I want to ask is, what undiscovered gems of movies can you think of that you never would have discovered if you hadn't worked in a video store? And you can feel free to go as obscure as you want. Well, I remember, um, was it Faces of Death? Was sure. The, oh, gosh. I forgot all series. about that series. Yeah. Did you see, Did you, you saw it, Brad, right? I the don't think one? I ever saw it, but I remember. I've it. never seen the Faces of Death series either. I was never really that interested. But Stephen, like, have you seen it? Yeah, it will come I, for me eventually, and then I will see its face, and it will see mine. <laughs> yeah, we, I think Nietzsche said that. <laughs> well, there really aren't any original thoughts left, so it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> we had that, and so I did watch it once, and it's you don't want to watch it. Trust me, I I, I get nightmares watching Scooby Doo cartoons. So watching Faces of Death. <laughs> <laughs> really wasn't the right thing for me to do i would use that as bait though like um you know if if if, if a if a certain fair uh fair looking uh classmate of mine would walk in and and uh be flirting with me and say you know oh, faces of death and i, I would always say yeah here I'll, I'll let you have it for free and if if you don't have to pay for it unless you make it all the way through so i knew what the final scene was and they, I, I never had to comp anybody. Everybody came back and paid for it because they said, oh, crap, I can't watch this thing. And uh, it's it's hideous. I if I, I didn't know it was a series, but um, one was enough. And I, I hope I never see it again. I, I mean, I don't know what that says about the nature of mankind, but there was such a demand after that first one that they continued to make more. And there are these knockoffs and offshoots like Traces of Death and all these other ones. Fingernails um, of death. Yeah. So there's not there's not just more than one. There is like these sort of like cash ins. But beyond that, I, I I know there was another movie called. And I, I don't know if I'm remembering it from that summer or a future time, but there was a war movie called Codename Emerald that had Eric Stoltz and Ed Harris. And Ed Harris played a. um a spy an allied spy in nazi germany and it was all about uh the normandy invasion it was just a a really really obscure war movie in a decade that didn't really have a ton of war movies 
Yeah, the, it's not, the 80s isn't really known for its war movie output, except towards the end when, you know, yeah. casualties of war and um, oh, the Vietnam stuff. movies were coming out. Right. You had Platoon. You had um, Hamburger movie. Hill. Uh, Heartbreak Ridge. Heartbreak Ridge. Yeah, well, that's a good one. Yeah, I'd I like watch Heartbreak that right Ridge. now if it was on. Glory. Yeah, yeah really good. So, yeah, uh, Big Red won in the beginning of the 80s. So, yeah, I, I've done, trust me, I've done so many blog items on war movies of the 80s that it's not hard to keep them all at the front of your brain because <laughs> there's so few to have to remember. But, yeah, it was Codename Emerald was one. It was it was it was a great time because you just our owner encouraged you to take movies home at night and watch them so that when you were there in the daytime and people asked for recommendations, you would have informed, you know, suggestions. And yeah. No. Um, well, that kind of leads me to my next question, which is, you know, as far as the faces of death thing, which is, I mean, you guys are both kind of on the record as not being so much into horror movies with a few possible exceptions. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. yeah. Because um, um, to to me, as a horror movie fan, especially an '80s horror movie fan, it's a little bit of a missed opportunity on your parts. I think because some horror movies are fantastic pictures of the '80s, just the, the clothes, the hair, the whole decor. Um, you know, I think you'd appreciate time. it. And movies come to mind like like Final Exam or Silent Madness. Have you seen either of those by any chance? No, no I never no, heard no. of them. Yeah, okay, Silent Madness. You guys should check that out because it isn't particularly scary. Like, I don't think you'll be scared watching Silent Madness. Um, but there's one scene where these girls are in a sorority house and some of them are working out and doing aerobics while another one is playing a stand up Dragon's Lair arcade game. Now you got Brad's attention. <laughs> and um, more about this. It doesn't girls. get any more 80s. Like, it's, it's like as a picture of the 80s, it's like perfect. Um. So and as of right now, it's on YouTube and it might be on Amazon. And I would recommend you guys check that out. And what's interesting is originally meant for 3D. So these kind of like kind of wonky 3D effects are in the movie, too. And I, I think you'd get a kick out of it. I'll think about it. I got to tell you, we were I was rewatching the first episode of Stranger Things the other day, night with uh, my future wife. And we both after one episode were like, oh, we're not watching any more of this. <laughs> Just the whole wow. idea of. The whole idea of intentionally wanting to scare yourself doesn't seem that seems to be like the weirdest fetish of all. And so we just I think as we've gotten older, we just, you know, well, we've got enough real fears. No, I hear you. I hear you on that. And um, but it's different, though. Brad, you like that stuff. So I will. The last question I want to ask about that was um in the age of Netflix and countless other streaming sites, do you think a sense of community is lost that existed with the video store era and the golden time of the 80s? I mean, yes, we have a lot of convenience and easy options, but do you think part of what made the 80s such a special time is kind of kind of gone and lost to the sense of time? Brad, what do you think? I would agree with that. I think that that's something that I know, you know, sitting on the couch on a Friday night trying to find something to watch. I have no one else to rely on. I just am sitting there scrolling through things, looking, well, what do they got? What do they got? What do they got? And that kind of give and take of, you know, going to see Steve at the counter and saying, well, hey, can you recommend something for me? And, you know, having a conversation about, well, what do you like? And, you know, that that's gone. I mean, maybe I could get that if I log into Reddit, but, you know, come on, ain't nobody got time for that. First, you have to wake me up off the couch, remember? Well, I'm talking about Steve Spears of the video of pick. I'm talking about pick a flick, Steve. Yeah. No, no, I'm saying even then you still have to wake me up off the couch. <laughs> oh, well, I'll just knock you on the head with the 
Clint Eastwood standee and we'll get on. <laughs> There's always a couch no matter where you are. So, yeah. Um, you know what I use a lot? I mean, I agree with Brad 100%. He, um, it was nice to have that face-to-face interaction. Um, the What I use a lot is the, you know, c- people who watch this movie also watch this movie. I, I right. use that, that feature pretty religiously. And that's helped me discover some interesting shows that I probably would never have watched otherwise. And yeah. so that's like the modern-day equivalent of – you know, hey, why don't you watch Better Off Dead? It's kind of like the video store employee kind of suggesting something to someone. I'd be curious to see. I, I should probably do it one of these days. Go. I mean, I haven't I haven't watched Back to the Future on streaming in a long time, but I'd be curious to go there and see what the other suggestions are. And if you liked this, you'd like that. I, I doubt like Better Team Off Wolf. Dead. <laughs> yeah, you might have just been ahead of your time because they might say Better Off Dead. I, I would be shocked, but you never know. And I, I did hear someone else on another podcast talk about that there's actually a danger with that, like on Spotify or on uh, like a Netflix where it says, you know, you might like because it sticks within your wheelhouse. Like, in other words, it, it's using its algorithm to discover stuff that you've already liked. So right. the p- potential danger is you won't discover a movie outside of your wheelhouse that you might like. That's fair. I, it helps, too, that I mean. Even in the podcast world, we get a lot of emails from people suggesting movies and TV shows that we hadn't heard of. And even between Brad and myself, we don't we don't really, except for with a few select shows, we don't really follow the same stuff. So we, we're constantly giving each other ideas and uh, suggestions on shows. So it's it's definitely, but it's it, that in person thing. I mean, sadly, that's gone forever, but. And, you know, flirting with girls in the video store and taking naps and uh, stuff like that. Uh, you know, I mean, oh, if I could oh. have one of those things back, I'd have taking naps at work. But, uh, you know, the rest of it would be good, too. Those, but it all memories. ends up to this time. That's just like that's why there's so much nostalgia for the 80s, because it, it just seems like such a great time, you know, when you can do those things. Yeah. It's all like tears in the rain now. <laughs> I see what you did there. Sorry. We're waiting all day to use that one. Um, okay, so now moving over to Brad, you were saying off air that you worked in an, the video section of an electronics store. I, I want to make sure I get yeah, that that's right. Correct. So correct me so, if I'm wrong. No, that's correct. I worked at the video counter in a Federated store. So Federated, uh, if you're in Southern California, you know what that is. But it was the Southern California version of Crazy Eddie, if you will. Uh-huh. You know, the, the commercials had a character called Fred Rated, who was played by Shadow Stevens. And he oh. would do stuff like throw TVs off of buildings and, you know, the crazy antics. Come on down. You won't believe these. these The prices are crashing faster than the televisions. You know, just stupid, corny stuff like that. But people remember it, right? Which is what you're trying to do. So the store that I was at working at uh, i think most of them had a video rental section and i think that was you know there are kind of two two reasons for that one it gives the people who are you know buying vcrs someplace to immediately spend a little bit more money and two it of course we were way in back corner of the store so when people came in to rent movies they had to walk through the entire store oh maybe i do need a i need a record cleaner and some blank tapes and uh, maybe a new walkman and you know so there's a little bit of selling that happens that way too but uh yeah we were in the back of this big you know electronics store probably i don't know it was one i don't know steve if your store was the was the kind that had the tapes 
actually on the shelves out in front or if they just had the boxes and they bring it to you and you have to look at it? Oh, up. that's a good question. Yeah, I meant to ask they, that. They, they had the boxes out there. You had to bring it to the clerk who you who would, would get then, the tape. Yeah, get the tape. You'd match it on the shelf behind you. Yeah, that's that was the way we worked at the Federated Group as well. And, and I, it's interesting because because we were part of a larger store, there was a always a very serious store manager who was worried about you know sales wandering around. So we, I didn't have the same goof off opportunities that Steve did. I feel a little robbed there, uh, but we did have TVs to watch movies on. The problem is those TVs weren't faced so we could see them. They were faced so that the customers could see them if they were coming into the store. So it was hard for me to watch stuff. So did you hear a lot of prices right and just to get the audio version or how did that go? Yeah, I mean, we were actually it's funny. We were right next to the. Um, you know how when you go into a high end or well, really, do these stores even exist anymore? I guess not really in the same way. A stereo store where they have a listening room that's set up to demo different speakers so people could, you know, oh, let's let's go into this slightly darker room with some carpet on the walls and it will make the speaker sound even better. Uh, and so we were right next to that room. So we would always hear, there was a lot of, uh, there's one salesman that really liked, um, really liked to use Steely Dan to, to show off the speakers. And I'm like, really, dude, really? Is that, are we still doing that? You know, can we get something else? Like maybe, uh, I don't know, anything? Devo? Yeah, well, oh. that would be great, but it would probably scare the customers. But uh, <laughs> so there was a lot of that kind of traffic back there. And we were kind of the, the second, the lower cast employees for sure. The salesmen really ran that store, and the people who were clerks were just lowly servants. Um, I don't know if this is a question you can answer, but how much foot traffic would you get? Like, if you're kind of, if you're just like kind of parked in the back, would you get a lot of people, or were you kind of off on your own? No, more? it was pretty busy. Uh, it was, you know, it was a different time. It was kind of the pre-block. Sorry, let me try that again. It was more <laughs> of the pre-blockbuster era, so. It was still, you know, the rental store business was still tended to be smaller businesses. And I think once you had a location that you went to, then by force of habit, you had an account there and you could go and rent things and it was easy. And I mean, I, I seem to remember people would leave us blank checks that we would put Why in would a they file to, hmm. to open an account. Oh, well. So in case they went, you know, went AWOL with our tape, then we had the check that we could use. I seem to remember that for some reason we had like a little recipe box full of people's checks, which just blows my mind. What were these people doing? There's a lot of trust. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it's a different time. It's not like right now or with my phone and your bank account number and your name, I could probably rob you blind in about 20 seconds. Uh, so there was that, but no, I'm sorry to answer your question. I think we, we actually had a lot of regular customers. People would come in every weekend and, you know, rent their three or four tapes and bring them back on Monday morning or Tuesday. And, you know, it was, it was, I think people had their, their local, if you will. And we were those, you know, we were mm, that. Right, okay. people. Yeah, that makes sense. And of course the trust thing kind of goes back to the, to Steve's situation. He was, he was just trusting that people made it all the way through faces of death. They could have said they did, but they, yeah. they were honest and saying that they didn't. Um, but um, as, how about, as far as the content of what you guys had, was it mostly mainstream stuff or was there off the beaten track? No, we were there? pretty mainstream. I mean, consider this a big corporation that is stocking a video rental, you know, outlet. So, you know, we, I'm, I don't know that we had faces of death. 
I don't think we did. <laughs> well, we, we, did have that, some, that, we did have some yeah. fairly racy video compilations of like music videos, and that was about as exciting as it got. We did not have a beaded curtain section or a uh-huh. swinging saloon door section. Uh-huh. Um, um, all right, so that's okay. That's interesting. So, and did you rent the VCRs as well and sell? I imagine that they sold them there. Well, they sold them you, like hotcakes. Yeah. No, they didn't. Rent oh, the renting them? They did not rent the machines. No. By that point, most people pretty much owned them or is that just would have been mm, let me think about this that would have been 86 87 so yeah at that point i think i mean good grief even my parents had purchased a vcr by that time right i think they'd gotten smaller and they were you know not the top loaders anymore they were the smaller front loading machines yeah you know vcr plus had come around and you could record shows that was the miracle of modern science it did it was i mean some genius figured out hey people can't really figure out how to time their vcr to tape a certain show let's just give it a code like a six-digit code and then shazam and it'll do it for you that's that was genius it was a miracle i mean i'm one of those guys that when my wife and i started dating every time i would go over to she and her sister lived together when every time i'd go over there their VCR would be blinking 12 and the minute yeah. I would walk in the door, I'm like, really again? And I would set the clock on it. Like, why do you do that? I'm like, cause it makes me crazy. <laughs> yeah. I think there's two types of people in this world, people that can deal with the blinking 12 and people that just can't. Um, well, you know where to put me. <laughs> well, that kind of was a question I was going to ask about stuck in the eighties. Like I was going to just to go back to that for a second. Like, do you think the partnership you know, the Steve Brad partnership works so well because you both represent different personality types, like in a Myers Briggs personality type indicator sort of way. Like, for example, Steve is more emotional, while Brad, you have this kind of Spock like logic, and the two kind of mesh together in a yin Brett, and yang. That is kind the of nicest way. thing anybody's ever said to me. <laughs> I feel like you really get me, Brett. <laughs> well, I, like I, I said, I'm a longtime listener. But um, I think and by the way, I'm personally more that. of a Steve, I'm, a, I'm more the emotional side. But do you think? The, the yin and yang of the two personality types mesh. So then that makes a like a more complete listening experience for people. Like well, Brent, since I'm just this? a robot, I don't have access to that sort of information. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think there's some truth in what you say. And I will say, Brett, when I came on the show uh, in late 2012, when I joined full time, uh, Steve was smart enough to realize that we needed to have a little bit of background besides just the years of emailing back and forth and so mm-hmm. i would say for at least five or six months he and i would talk on my drive home and just chat about this and that and he would tell me crazy stories and i would tell him my boring robot stories oh i got my oil <laughs> changed today uh and that actually really helped i think kind of form this foundation for us to have the back and forth that i think it makes it work i mean you know, I realize that podcast audiences are very self-selecting and people who didn't like it have left and that's fine. And the people who stuck around stuck around because they were okay with what we were putting out there. But I'm yeah, grateful okay. that someone stayed. <laughs> no, a lot of people stayed, I'm sure. Um, but, and, and feel free, either one can answer this, but like, I think recently on the podcast, you mentioned this, that, you know, do you find it weird that after so much time podcasting, people feel they know you? Like you've shared so many personal stories and moments on the podcast. Like I think you mentioned recently that Jen with one end can tell the bags of rum story better than you at this point. <laughs> yeah. um, and she's like, no, 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 let me tell the story. Like, do you think it's weird or like, or do you think it's good that these stories are being recorded for posterity and people might be listening to them in the 2080s and beyond? Oh shit. God, 
help us if that's oh my god i yeah i i i think maybe at first i thought it was weird maybe unexpected is the right word i just i just didn't think that anything we were saying was worth committing to memory uh, it's so, mind-boggling to me as a fan to hear that the um and i think what happens too is it's, it's like i said before i download it and like the bags of rum story i i would defer to jen to tell that story now because i i i download <laughs> it's amazing it's like I, uh it's like um oh click what's his name the singer of the uh, Thompson twins having to go and buy his own greatest hits. Oh, Tom Bailey. He'd forgotten Tom his Bailey. songs. Yes. Thank yeah. You. That was yeah, that is like that. That's a good call. Yeah. I, in fact, lately I've been toying with the idea of trying to do a book project <clears throat> and taking these stories and putting them into some sort of literary form. And the, the obstacle that I have is that I don't remember them as well anymore. And I, I would actually have to go back and listen to the podcast from the start to to remind myself of some of them i just and that would be a very big undertaking yeah um. and, and i'm not i'm not really i don't have the time for it uh, or the energy or the discipline and so i i just that's, well, other that's, than that everything's coming yeah, yeah, up yeah, perfect um, so but actually yeah. that leads me perfectly into my next question um which is uh, at last count uh, stuck in the 80s has 608 episodes so as of as of this recording they have 608 if i'm not wrong Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke is the longest running drama in history of television. Um, do either of you want to guess how many episodes uh, Gunsmoke has? Oh, gosh, that ran what? forever. 20, uh, what, so there are probably 20, like 30 episodes a season. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say 450. Steve? 500? The answer is 635. Wow. Oh, we're going to crush those guys. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, how, first Just, off, how does it feel to know you're on the cusp of eclipsing gun smoke in your episode count? And second part to that question, when you first started stuck in the 80s, was it your goal to stick it to gun smoke? <laughs> <laughs> that is what we call a loaded question. I love that. That's the kind of question. Much like Marshall Dillon's guns himself. Mm. Yeah, that's the kind of question I would write down and, and never get a chance to use. So I, I, <laughs> well, see, that's the difference between you and me. I, I will just use garbage questions and I have no problem. Uh, no, just kidding. That's that's a real question. And I just uh, it's just I'm talking about more the longevity of the show. Well, guns, I mean, 600 and would you say 635? It's a lot, but it's nothing compared to the soap operas, which are, you know, every single day of the year for 30 years kind of thing. Um, yes. Um, you talk about an actor like um, Abon Martinez, who played uh, Cruz Castillo in Santa Barbara, which is one of the very 80s soap operas. And I he probably I think I remember he said one time that he did like over 1700 shows. Wow. As, as that character. So it's it's all a matter of perspective. Um I, I, I think I've told the story before on the podcast or this not really a whole full story, but um, my boss at the time, I remember he was congratulating me on when we hit like our 30 or 40 or 50th show anniversary, which we probably got within a year. And I told him at the time, if I'm still doing this three years from now, come back and kill me. <laughs> and um, but it just I don't know. It's, it's such a part of of who I am and what I do now that when 
when we go a couple weeks without a show, which happens every once in a while because, you know, Brad and I are, you know, have sadly stuck in the 80s is not supporting us at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we get we get real, you know, either we're traveling a lot or we have a lot of work. But when it goes a couple of weeks without one, I just I feel like there's something missing. You know, I just this is yeah. part of my routine is to for him and I to have a conversation a couple times a week about what are we going to talk about this week and who's going to pull the names of all the Seggy winners and who's going to, uh, do we have any letters? Any letters? Um, Do we want to do a PPTMN? Do we want to come up with a new Seggy for this week? Do we want to, we want to, we want to revive an old series. We want to start something new. Is there an anniversary that we need to be worrying about? Did anybody Um, die? Gosh, I know. All, all too much lately. All, did somebody die? Yeah. Um, I just don't know what it would be like to suddenly stop all that. Yeah. Uh, Brett, let me actually answer the question instead of okay. what Steve did, which was say that question is flawed, deeply, deeply flawed because <laughs> no, he ignores soap operas. Let me just say that I will be question. happy to ignore soap operas. I'm just talking over you now, Steve. I've got the mic and I'm going to hold on to it with both hands. It's kind of amazing to me to see a six and a zero in front of the two, you know, in front of the numbers <laughs> that we're doing shows. Like, I, I had no idea that we would go this long. Uh, I don't think I thought at the time when I came on the show, okay, well, we'll see. You know, this is good for another couple of years. Um, I, I think both Steve and I are still having a good time doing it. I won't say it's not any work because it is work. I mean, you know, it takes time to do prep and record the episode and prep it for you know distribution and all that stuff it does take time, but it's fun. And we've met, I, well, I, I've met, I know Steve has too. We've met a ton of really cool people through the podcast. And that's, that's its greatest gift to me is the listener community. And that sounds, Oh my gosh, that sounds like I'm thanking everybody in my Oscar acceptance speech. <laughs> no, no. Should I ever get to have an Oscar acceptance speech? I'll be sure to say that again, but that really is the, that's the juice, if you will. Uh, and how long will we keep going? I don't know. We keep coming up with more stuff to talk about, which is great. Well, I'm certainly happy about that. And also just to, to fill in some uh, background on uh, shows with a lot of episodes, Law & Order has 456. Law & Order SVU has 494. Wow. And uh, Lassie has 591. And Bonanza <laughs> has 431. So you've Take beaten that. all of them. Take beat that, Lassie. you dog. I don't care who's in the well. Can we, be, can we get some shirts made up that say that? We beat Lassie. Oh, we got to do it for the next cruise. Oh, my well, the front of the shirt can say, we beat Lassie. And then the back would have, you yeah. know, it'd be like concert tour stick. dates. Yeah, where like a dog it, and a stick. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, like, yeah. And on the back, it, instead of concert tour dates, it would be like the name of the TV show and the number of episodes and how um, how you've eclipsed all of them. Uh, that's yeah. a fun idea. It's, it, Brad nails it. I mean, it's just the opportunities that the show's given us have just been mind boggling. And I was talking about it last night saying i i still think of the moment when we were backstage in the 80s cruise and the three original or three of the original mtv vjs came into the room with us because we were about to interview them on stage and i just thought this is the most surreal moment of my life to have you know mark nina and alan just within two feet of us and just talking you know and pretending like they were interested in what we had to say yeah just you know, slice yeah, you, me off a piece of that any day. <laughs> and, and if not for the podcast, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. You know, no. Right? 
I thank no. Steve for bringing me along in this in this journey all the time. Um, Man, we constantly say this is, and we say it to each other when we're having a day where we just don't feel like recording or we don't feel like editing. This is supposed to be fun, and the day that it's not fun anymore, that's probably the day we stop. But what we find now is we just okay. So don't edit the story this morning. You know, go yeah. go to the beach, have a good day, and then tomorrow. tomorrow yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean that makes sense to me. Um, but then to kind of wrap it all up in a bow, was there any more thoughts about video store memories or another thing I wanted to ask before about quirky or weird customers that can uh, come to your mind or any final thoughts about the the video store era that you can think of? Brad? Well, I, I'm, I'm racking my mind for a good story there, but I, I'm afraid I don't really have any. We did have regular customers. I do remember one uh, extremely attractive mother that would come in with her children, uh, but you know there was never any opportunity for me to talk to her beyond, you know, here are your movies. Uh, mm. Not that anything would possibly have ever come from that, but uh, that's about as far as I get. I don't remember there being like that guy that kept coming in and renting, uh, you know, blame it on Rio every weekend or anything like that. <laughs> no, I I never dated anybody that I met, like a customer or anything. I I dated my coworkers a couple of times, uh, and it was nice that a video store uh, had that a couch. I, yeah, I had, had keys couch, to it, and I had keys to the store. And uh, but I, the weirdest thing that would I think that ever happened to me was the football coach of the of our rival high school, who was a a well known guy at that time. He was he had had a lot of success with his team, and um, he came in to the store one time, and I I immediately recognized him, and I even said, "Oh, you're I'm not going to say his name." <laughs> But, well, I, I imagine his first name was Coach something. Yeah, I think I, I, I said Coach, you know, name to be, you know, uh, black. You teach history and coach football, don't you? Yeah, I said, um, you know, oh, I, I know who you are, blah, blah, blah. You know, I went to the, the other high school, you know, you were a great coach. And and he promptly um, started, he went to the, uh, the beaded curtain area and started asking me for recommendations. So <laughs> I... And then every time he would come in the store, I mean, that's all he would rent was was those movies. And he would always ask me for recommendations, and he would always greet me by my name. He remembered who I was because I remembered him. And so we had sort of a mutual uh, code among men. <laughs> is, this one, is this the one where the pizza guy doesn't yeah. get – they can't pay the pizza guy? Or is it where they go to the bank and they get stuck in the vault? Oh, okay. That's, yeah. that's the movie. Don't confuse the movie with the man. And uh, – um. Did it sure. seem weird that of all the people that knew your name, it was the one who was asking for the adult material? <laughs> Maybe it was appropriate at that time. It wouldn't be anymore. Yeah. I, I, I still get kind of freaked. I, I will say it, it, it is one of those weird things when we're walking around on, on a on an '80s cruise or anywhere, and and people know who we are and we don't know who they are. But, um, the, in the in the '80s, that was certainly reversed at video rental stores, and and I, I miss those days. Those were that was a great non-pressure job that you know i got introduced to a lot of movies you know i made money for doing basically what i would be doing if i were home right and um you know i wish i wish they were still around because there's I, I wouldn't mind on a friday night going to a video rental store and picking out a movie and you know getting some getting some candy by the register i think 
you know, get a big gigantic bottle of Jolt Cola, go home and, you know, watch go it to town. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that kind of goes back to the question I had earlier. It's like, it's that missing piece of, I guess you could call it community, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think our 54 year old bodies could handle that amount of caffeine and sugar anymore, but the rest of it all sounds fantastic. You'll have, well, to, I mean, you'll have to invite me over and you can share it. Well, you know, and unless you start, you know, the stuck in the eighties rental center, I don't think that's going to happen. I wouldn't mind a, a way to do a online virtual video store. Maybe that's the business model that we've been missing out on all these years, Brad. Like a curated collection, if you will. Yeah. Brad's well, like, you know how you can do these like tours of the Louvre, like virtual tours where you can yeah. kind of like click through mm-hmm. the aisles of museums. Maybe it could be like that where you kind of click or, you know, mouse your way through and you can have the box art on either side. Yeah. And have the movies there all the time. Like have I, what drives me nuts about streaming services is that you yeah, it's there for a month or a month and a half of those. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. Have that go away and just we would have our 80s you know, collection that we could, it would always be there. If you want Codename Emerald, damn it, it's there. 365 <laughs> days a year. I'd, I'd be the only one checking it out and watching it, but that's... that's well, yeah, that would be the other thing. If someone rents it, then it's rented out. So it's not like a streaming thing where anyone can watch Ooh, it. If it's out, oh, it's I out. Like that, I like that. I like that. There's only one copy. Here. Only one copy. The other copy is yeah. over at the pizza place. Yeah. Right. Um... Anything else you want to say? Because that's pretty much the end. I just want to say thank you for having us on the show. And if, oh. if, you, if you, you know, you like the stories we're spinning, you can always find out. Just Google Stuck in the 80s or uh, dial up your podcast app and and look us up. We're there. And, and, and by, all, by all means, if you ever have a question about what we're doing or suggestions for shows, uh, always feel free to, to email us at podcast at sit80s.com. Everything Steve I mean, said goes double for me. And, and just, I want to thank you guys so much for taking the time. Uh, your stories were great. It was, it was really special for me to be able to actually talk to you instead of just listen to you as I normally do. Um, so I did want to say that. And as far as our uh, social media stuff, it's, the website is uh, comeuppinsreviews.net. And um, if you want to email us, it's crpodcast.yahoo.com dot com and brian all the other social media sites and streaming uh the podcast listening the services um but mainly i think people listen to us on itunes um and we want to thank all the comeuppance warriors as we call them which are fans of the show and uh our uh, website and um and thanks again guys and have a good day thanks brad thanks so much yeah all right talk to you soon yeah talk to you soon bye
When you first started stuck in the 80s, was it your goal to stick it to Gunsmoke? 